0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 the Game. Streaming live on 1037TheGame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037 The Game.
1: And welcome everyone to uh, the inaugural, the maiden voyage, if you will, of the produce of Under the Dome, excuse me, Under the Dome with Claude Doming right here on Acadiana's number one sports station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The live as always from the 237 Roof Studios. And my goodness, it is a great Saturday to kind of undergo a maiden voyage because guess what? It is a tremendous weekend. Why am I saying it's so tremendous? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why is this weekend has a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff I think a lot of you absolutely love to talk about and love to get to know things about. But again, we're live for the 237 Roof Studios. But You can call us up at 337-706-0111. i got a couple guests. I'll give you that info in just a little bit. But of course, it's a new show and we're doing things a little bit differently than what we've done in the past. And we're doing something really cool to kind of start things off. Get you understood what's going on in the world of sports this coming week and to get you ready so you know what's on tap. Obviously, the biggest thing everyone is looking forward to, and I'm just talking about Louisiana, I'm talking about the entire country, has to be the Kentucky Derby. After Omaha Beach was scratched due to an entrapped epiglottis, it's been hard for many sports bettors to figure out who would be the new favorite. And at this moment, I think it's definitely not 100% certain who is the favorite at this point in time. And even if we did have a true, clear favorite, there's no such thing as a sure thing. And I feel like you look at the field, it is wide open. And honestly, that makes me super excited to see what happens this afternoon in the first leg of the Triple Crown. I'm always excited about it, but this one has a lot more oomph to it because, again... This is a race that kind of helps set the tone for what's going to happen in the next two races. You look at the last couple of years, you've had it. the Triple Crown winners pop up, and that's been great for the sport because it's gained a lot more interest in the second and third legs. But honestly, again, this is just my personal opinion. I actually enjoy a lot more to see it be you wait a little bit longer because, again, my I waited forever, my entire life, to see a Triple Crown winner, and it was a great moment in history and then a few years later it happens again, it loses just a little bit of its luster. At least, again, this is purely my opinion. I'm sure you have yours as well. 706-0111 is where you can give us your opinion. Give us your takes because, trust me, we have time for them. That being said, I'm looking forward to that. But what's interesting is this is going to wind up probably being a sloppy or muddy track for the third straight year And I think that's definitely would have wound up playing a lot in favor of Omaha Beach, who is a horse that likes to run in sloppy or muddy tracks. A lot of the morning line favorites were going based off of that alone. I think that's a big reason why a lot of people are upset about that. But fun fact here, I actually pulled this up last night. Since 2009, five Kentucky Derby races run on sloppy slash muddy tracks and a whopping 47% of all runnings in the history of the Kentucky Derby, that's almost half of all runnings of the Kentucky Derby, have experienced some rain. At least some rain at one point or another, be it in undercard races or the main race or what have you. But this this one's probably going to be a sloppy one. I mean, you look outside right now, the weather is a little suboptimal, as we like to say. And hopefully they can kind of get the hell out of here before we get to LSU baseball later tonight it's thing i'm looking forward to but that's not the only thing a lot of people are looking forward to it has to be without a doubt canelo jones going back going at it in the boxing ring this is the most wonderful time of year to be a fan of combat sports and more importantly the world of boxing period because this is the weekend where things get a lot more fun they get a lot more entertaining because, oh, hey, you don't know what's going to... You you, hey, because you get to see the most marquee matchups, regardless if you are like a big fan of the sport or not. You get to see these guys just go at it, and it's always a fun time of year when these opponents face off like Canelo and Jones a few years ago. I kind of got frustrated with watching the sport of boxing, largely because of what was going on with the Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao fight, the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight, where it was just dancing around, nobody punching anybody. But I'm turning around on the sport of boxing it's hard just because of what I saw last weekend at the Cajun Dome with Regis progre and Denito Donaire, two of the boxers that wanted going at it, and two boxers that wanted to victorious going at it. There were no like pulled punches. There was no dancing around. You saw some dudes literally i saw a guy get knocked out and i'm talking like he was done for like a good minute i think he wound up just saw his life flash before his eyes when he got popped in the chin and it was rough but still i enjoyed boxing a lot more than i had in recent years again i hated it when the mayweather pacquiao fight wound up just being a large slow dance no real punches were thrown the scorecard wasn't great I started turning more into a UFC fan. I've been a UFC fan for quite a while, but I feel like I was much more UFC-centric. And I absolutely love this weekend when it comes to boxing because it is the Super Bowl of boxing, and there's a big reason why they always put a big main event on pay-per-view during the first weekend of May. Think about it from a national perspective. College Hoops, it's done. It's been wrapped up like a month and a half ago. And then you've got, obviously, the MLB season. It's still a month in people over here they're gonna to wanna to pay attention a lot more attention to it largely because of the fact that you've got the You've got that going on. You've got all this stuff going on. And then obviously it's early on. Not many eyes are on it. And then the NBA playoffs, there's only one game on the books tonight, Rockets Warriors, and everybody think I think everybody I know is probably gonna wind up leaning towards the Warriors wing that one nobody's gonna really give a rat's behind about it. As I shade towards the Golden State Warriors—that's just fact at this point. It definitely is a bad look for the Pels going forward. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in that series. The, in that in this series, this coming weekend, I'll give you some deeds on what happened last night. Because my goodness, that was a masterpiece of a ball game between the Blazers and the Blazers game was just phenomenal. You need to go check that out if you haven't yet. It is the Blazers Nuggets game phenomenal stuff? But I'm looking forward to the fight, Canelo Jones. That's one thing I want to say. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun fight also. And one of those heavily hyped matchups that could very well generate a lot more interest in the sport of boxing. And then finally, the final thing I'm looking forward to is the Angels-Astros series. Sure, it's not a sexy matchup on paper, but I'm looking forward to seeing the series between these two teams because of the fact that it's in Monterrey, Mexico and boy, oh boy, that's always fun. I got to see international games, and I'm more of a fan of it when it comes to baseball, especially in Mexico, because that's where I think you've got a huge following. You get a lot of players from there, from from south of the border. That's really cool stuff to see, as opposed to what we see with the NFL international series in Europe. One of the things I cannot stand. I'm sorry, but the only football they're watching across the pond is Premier League. Which, by the way, for like the one or two people listening that enjoy the football, the soccer. It's nearing the tail end of its season, and Manu is far away from winning the championship, so I just don't care. And that's about all we got on tap this week in terms of notable things. The poll question right now on Twitter actually has something to do with this. What is your favorite weekend in all of sports? The first weekend in May, the first weekend in November, 4th of July weekend, or Memorial Day weekend? And while I was kind of rambling on about what was going on this weekend, we have somebody on our Co-Equipment hotline. Let's get to that right now. Like I said, I don't have a caller ID inside the 237 Roof Studios. It may be something we need. i be doing the show. But I have somebody on the line, so let's get to it. Caller number one, you're on the air. Hey, t
2: v what's up, my Hey, man? T, let's tee it up, brother. Hey, uh, first of all, congratulations on your new show, and I know you're going to do do just well, man. Uh, thank you, my dude. All right. uh, my, my winner for the Kentucky Derby is game winner. I like that's, that's I like that. Pick. That's my pick and uh I was just wondering, did you see did you watch the LSU game last night? Yes, Before
1: I d- I, I did. I did watch it. Yes.
2: Was that kind of strange that whole game?
1: It was bizarre, but then again, I think whenever you consider bizarre on a on a scale, I feel like Alex Box Stadium is a place where bizarre things happen. We had the rally possum a couple years ago, T. So I can say like it was bizarre, but it feels almost par for the course for the L.C. Tigers and Alec Box Stadium in recent years.
2: I got you. Zach Hess, uh, he belongs in the bullpen. It, it's, Wild, The thing. mindset he has is is, uh, is that.
1: Wild thing is back, and it is a beautiful thing, T. Hey,
2: CD, have a good show, man. We'll be listening. All
1: right, brother, I appreciate it. That was T. You can call us up on the ARCO Equipment Hotline, 706-0111, 706 706- Zero one one one, and my goodness, it's going to be a fun show today—the debut episode. But of course, it'll be some similar things to what we've done in the past. is if you've listened to the producers when it existed, I wound up getting a lot of guests that were more towards the other spe- perspective, the other side of things. Because again, it was a show that we wanted to kind of talk about the other side of the glass, get, get our perspective on things, and also, I think more importantly, getting the perspective of the opposing team. Because honestly, we hear all week about from like a lot of the guys that cover the LSU Tigers, New Orleans Saints, what have you. I like to have a different perspective on things. Again, it's just because I want to be able to hear what the other side is thinking, what the other side is talking about at this point in time. And we're going to do that a little bit today because honestly, I wanted to kind of have somebody on to talk about what's going on with the series between the Angels and the Astros and that's kind of a struggle because, again, they're in Monterey, Mexico this weekend, so I had to kind of figure out some things, but I managed to get somebody really cool on, Jessica DeLine. You can follow her on Twitter, at Baseball Chick. She is a Baseball Chick, excuse me, editor, Editor-in-Chief editor for Halos Heaven, and just really cool stuff. I can't wait to talk to her about what's going on with the Angels one month into the season. A lot of great analysis from her. Candace Hare, we're bringing her back for the first leg of the Triple Crown. Undoubtedly, we're probably going to bring her back more often than not because we got a great kind of potential Triple Crown races. We don't have, like, clear favorites at this point in time. I feel like Omaha Beach would be somebody everybody thinks could wind up being a Triple Crown winner. We'll talk to her about that and a whole lot more. look ahead to that Kentucky Derby matchup because it is wide-ass open. And then also, we're going to have Wilson Alexander of The Advocate covers LSU baseball on a regular basis and T talks about it, wild thing, he is a back, it's a beautiful thing. 13 combined strikeouts by LSU's pitching staff, definitely impressive. I loved everything about what I saw last night from LSU. This was a moment in time that I feel like a lot of fans, a lot of LSU fans, have been waiting for a long, long time to see from the Tigers. And that's also just straight-up entertaining to see that. Of course, we'll also talk about a little bit of the renovations going on with the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I'll talk about the quadruple overtime ball game last night. If you stayed up for that, kudos to you. Also, how much coffee did you have, and are you still awake at this point in time? Definitely something to talk about. And Of course, it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, so why not do some power rankings of the Star Wars movies? Yes, I am going there. And trust me, nobody can stop me. Shut up, you stupid nerd! I'll do what I want. Okay, Gallows, gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Be back with even more. You're listening to the producers right here on Acadia Sports Station one zero three seven. The game and one zero three seven. The game
0: Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there.
2: You make your rules and we will break them.
0: Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, one hundred The Game and 103.7thegame.com. The Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Angels are going at it in a rare two-game series. Let's be starting tonight. You'll be here over on our sister station, The Rewind, 97.7 FM, 1330 AM and 104.1 FM out in Lake Charles. And we're going to get a perspective from the Los Angeles Angels heading into this series And to do that, we're going to go over to the ARCO Equipment Hotline to talk with Jessica DeLine of Halo's Heaven, uh, Angel's website for SB Nation. You need to check that out. Also, we're going to talk to her right now about it. What's going on, Jessica? Uh, Not much. How are you? I'm excited
3: for the series today.
1: I'm excited as well, largely because it's a different venue than what we've seen in the past. What was kind of the the reasoning behind scheduling this as a two-game series between the two teams in Monterey, Mexico?
3: Uh, I think, you know, MLB is trying to market uh, more internationally, definitely. So that was part of it. And as far as having it be two games, I think it made a lot more sense with travel schedules, giving teams a extra day off uh, before and after the series to uh, rest and recover, so to speak.
1: And I have to agree with you. definitely is a big thing whenever you consider the fact that this is going to be an interesting series. I mean, the Astros are coming back from a four-game set up in Minnesota Coming from the cold, cold weather, then they're going to be in fairly warm weather over in Monterey, Mexico this weekend. But I want to talk about the Angels real quick. Is obviously, the Angels haven't necessarily always been a contender. But what can how do you grade out the first season for the Angels, first month of the season for the Angels?
3: You know, per- personally, I think it was about as expected. The Angels, I think, kind of swung and missed a little bit this offseason. Uh, they've been actually doing that. Uh, if you're an Astros fan, you've probably seen this. The last four years, they have tried to be relevant but not uh, ended up being very good, <laughs> so to speak. They've been more more average, and I think they're probably going to be average again this year. It, it's a transition year into hopefully a more competitive team uh, next season.
1: Talk right now with Jessica DeLine of Halo's Heaven. And, you know, we got to talk about, you brought up a free agency. Might as well talk a little bit about what's going on with Mike Trout, the man that wanted up getting a whole lot of money to stay around that franchise. Is he having some buyer's remorse in that sense? Because it definitely, he winds up probably seeing this team, as as you put it, incredibly average, and you wind up having to be, like, in the next couple of years, if things don't change, he's going to want to be incredibly frustrated be, he sign this long-term contract.
3: You know, I would think so. Mike Trout's, Mike Trout's a pretty simple man. He's, he's a loyal um, person, so that's certainly one reason that kept him with the Angels. But, of course, he's a competitor, and he wants to win. Hopefully he sees more than fans are seeing right now as far as the future of the franchise. And maybe he already knows that Angels aren't going to compete this year, and he's okay with that uh, because there's certainly some talent coming up over the next couple years that can back him up. Um, the Angels have already seen some of that this year with Luis Ranjifo. Griffin Canny made his debut, so they're starting to call up some of this talent that has been building in the system, which hopefully will help them compete with Mike Trout.
1: And hey, you know, Jessica, we got to look ahead to this matchup tonight. Trevor Cahill going to be on the mound for the Los Angeles Angels. What can you say about him and how big he could wind up being for the for the Angels tonight?
3: Uh, Cahill has been he's been a little up and down this season. He started out the year great. Uh, his first few starts, but he's really struggled uh, in his last three starts. He's given up a lot of home runs. I'm not sure how the ball is going to carry there in Monterey, um, but that's definitely something he struggles with, and the Astros can certainly hit home runs. So he's going to really have to keep them close because um, with Miley on the mound, the Angels are going to struggle. They don't hit lefties very well, so they're going to have to find a way to stay in the game until they can get perhaps into the bullpen and see some right-handed pitching.
1: Talk right, I'm talking right now with Jessica DeLine of Halo's Heaven. And, you know, we got to talk about what's going on with Sunday. You've got projected pitcher as Matt Harvey, the former Dark Knight, moving from <laughs> Gotham to Los Angeles. What can you say about him? Because it feels like he's definitely had a bit of a bugaboo the last couple of seasons. Has that continued now that he's been part of the Angels
3: franchise? Uh, it has. He, he's also been up and down. Uh, he's somebody who can be really good if he if he's throwing his pitch as well. His last couple starts were incredibly solid. So hopefully um, from an Angels perspective, we can see that on Sunday because, again, the pitching matchup certainly doesn't favor the Angels with Justin Verlander on the mound. Not only has he been good, he's been just completely destroying the Angels the last few years, um, including Mike Trout, who just can't seem to hit off the guy.
1: Jessica, you know we got to talk about kind of. You, we're talking about the pitching matchups. We might as well talk about the offense as well. You mentioned that they aren't necessarily the best team when it comes to hitting lefties. Who's the one player that could wind up being a key integral part in this matchup between the Astros and the Angels, to where they could wind up winning at least one of these ball games, be it Saturday or Sunday.
3: I think Ryan Goodwin. He's been one of the surprise pickups. Um, of the off season for the angels. And he really only came to the angels when Justin Upton got hurt, um, in a exhibition game with the Dodgers right before the season started. And he, he's been fantastic. He can hit lefties. He's one of the team's best hitters. Uh, if he can keep that up through this series, he could, he could be one of the key pieces to getting a win for the angels.
1: Jessica, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Cause I'm sure we'll want to have to talk about the angels and Astros series a little bit further down the line.
3: Sounds
1: great. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Jessica DeLine. You can follow her on Twitter at A Baseball Chick and some really great insight about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim heading into that big weekend series against the Houston Astros in Monterrey, Mexico. And again, you know, I talked about how it's obviously will be working towards being like getting more of an international reach, and they're doing it the right way. They're going straight to the source when it comes to a big, notable name in terms of a big-name player. I think this is going to be fun to see what happens with this series. You've got, obviously, Wade Miley, a Louisiana native. He's doing really well this year. I was surprised to kind of see him perform at the level that he has done as of late out on paper, he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to wind up being able to get you the amount of wins and the amount of strikeouts that he's been able to get in the past. Because you just think about it, he's not necessarily the number three guy in, a, in this sense, but he's towards the tail end of the rotation. He definitely could be your number three guy right after Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, baby. Garrett Cole's been really kind of hit or miss, but I feel like it's Garrett Cole... Getting back to what he was doing with the Pittsburgh Pirates, allowing a lot of home runs with consistency. And that's not even a dig against him. That's just how kind of his trend has gone over the course of his career. He's had, he hasn't like a, he has a pretty decent career ERA, but he's allowed a lot of home runs over his career, especially with the Pittsburgh Pirates t- towards the tail end. And I think a lot more players are starting to scout and understand his pitches a lot better to where they know when to swing at him, when to, went to lay into him, and he can kind of knock the cover off the ball at that point. I think that's a big reason why he's not necessarily stepping his game up in a big way. It was Garrett Cole. Justin Verlander is Justin Verlander. It's hard to stop that guy. He's been really, really really good the last couple weekends. Hopefully he can carry that momentum over into this big series. And again, that was interesting hearing that from Jessica. I did not know a whole lot about the Angels heading into this interview, but honestly, that was fun kind of talking to her about that and how this... Astros' pitching staff might actually have a little bit of an easier road because the Angels just can't hit off of lefties. and that definitely would be the case with the Southpaw, Wade Miley, who once again, native of Louisiana. That's just some awesome stuff. Going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with a whole lot more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, three seven The Game and 103.7thegame.com. By the way, I'm CD, so yeah, there we go. Be back with more after this talking Kentucky Derby with with Candace Hare next
0: radio update Start. the famous CD is a five tool player of sports talk he can talk about a lot of different things even some soccer you Manchester United please. sing the Manchester United song okay maybe not soccer back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game
1: Welcome back to the Producers right here on Acadiana Sports Station, one hundred three seven The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And my goodness, it is a wonderful time to be a fan of horse racing because guess what? It is a wide open field. Omaha Beach out of the running after earlier this week having an entrapped epiglottis, which by the way, if you didn't know, it is a flap inside your throat that kind of prevents Food from getting into your windpipe. And yeah, if that happened, that's definitely not going to be good, conducive to horse racing. And we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with our next guest. She's on the Arco Equipment Hotline. Candace Hare covers horse racing for TVG. What's going on, Candace?
4: Uh, Not much, other than the biggest day of the year for us. So very excited about the racing that's to come.
1: oh It's going to be amazing this weekend whenever you consider everything that happened earlier this week, obviously with the moving of the line. yeah, the morning line favorite, Omaha Beach, out. How much did that change things for you?
4: Um, it didn't end up changing my selections a lot, but it certainly was something I had to re-look over again, not only because he's the favorite and he in here with fantastic form. I'm off the back of a very nice victory out in Arkansas, but also because he was a horse who liked to go near the lead in his races. So he, without him there, obviously you expect a little bit of a slower pace out front.
1: Is this the most wide open field you've seen like since you've started since you've covered horse racing or even watched horse racing?
4: I don't know if it's the most wide open I've seen since I have started covering, but it's certainly the most wide open we've seen in several years. I mean, the last few years we were, on one hand, lucky to have Justify and American pharaoh, Triple Crown winners. But on the flip side of that, you know, you lose a little bit of competition when you get great horses like that who just dominate everybody. So it's nice to have a bit of variety. And I think from what I see, you know, people who bet the races are very excited to bet this race knowing that legitimately anybody could win.
1: And, you know, we're talking with Candace here right now of TVG, and, you know, we're talking about the fact that it's a wide-open field. And last year we had the Triple Crown winner once again, and that's one of the big things that I've kind of thought about since the last time we talked during the final leg of the Triple Crown is, are you a big fan of seeing it be multiple Triple Crown winners over a short period of time, or do you like the chase of it a lot more whenever somebody gets to that second leg and they come up short and then you kind of wind up just getting more anticipation for it next year to see somebody finally do it?
4: I mean, I like the taste of it more. I mean, it, who would have thought that we would have to end up having two in such quick succession when many people thought maybe one would never happen again? But yeah, I mean, I, I think I like the taste. I think people respect how difficult it is more when you don't see it happen so many times in, in quick succession. You know, I think people would justify maybe didn't give him the credit he deserved because it was a feat that they had just seen happen. But, you know, if we remember back... You know, 30 years ago, there was two in quick succession, and then we didn't have another one until Farrell. So you never know.
1: You never really know, and I think that's the awesome part about horse racing. And we we, talking about Omaha Beach, another big thing is Heichel. He actually wound up being scratched as well. What was the reason for that one?
4: I believe he had a foot abscess, which is really common. You'll hear about it all the time, but it can be very variable- about how long a horse will be out. Um, they basically end up getting almost well, like a bulge of pus on their foot. And it's a matter of just letting that kind of naturally take its course and go away. And sometimes it's only a week and they come right back. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So hopefully all is well with, with Heiko. But yeah, i for connections.
1: Talking right now with Candace here of TVG. And of course, I think everybody's talking about it. This could very well be the third straight year where it's either a sloppy or a muddy track this afternoon whenever the race gets started by the way you'll hear it all right here on 103.7 the game thanks to westwood One's coverage of the kentucky derby and the triple crown but what what's kind of the vibe around what you're thinking of what's the weather going to be looking like come race time
4: it's meant to be wet it's meant to be wet i would be bracing for a sloppy race course i think anything better than that is a positive but it, there's meant to be some significant showers coming in this afternoon
1: Tall now, Candace here, TVG, and right now I got it's it's hard for me to pick like a true favorite. You mentioned a couple names early on, but where do you kind of lean in terms of just a straight up winner right now?
2: I
4: like improbable, and it's ironic because had you asked me in January who I would have not wanted, like who's the one horse you're against for the derby camps, so I would have been like improbable, and yet here we are. So I guess that shows you how chaotic those preparations races have been. But I ended up leaning to him off the back of his most recent performance. I thought it was really fantastic. He finished second behind Omaha Beach that day, but he had gotten very, very keyed up behind the gate prior to the race and he was really restless in the gate itself he ended up breaking slow, so for him to finish as close to omaha beach as he did on that occasion i thought i thought at least i found it to be extremely impressive performance he's one of the more lightly raced horses in the field so you can project more significant improvement from him i think than some of the others who we've seen racing for a much longer time and you know, the Baffert horses—he's going to offer you better value than than game winner, of course, or Greatest Cup juvenile winner. So, I find myself really heavily leaning to improbable.
1: So, what you're saying is, it's not improbable to see see that horse win, right?
4: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: Talk right now with Candice here of TVG, and you know, you brought up Bob Baffert. The guy seems like he's just got the magic touch when it comes to get, it comes to not only picking horses, but being able to have these horses win with a lot of consistency. What can you say about Bob Baffert as an owner?
4: You know, I think when it comes to Bob Baffert, you know, winning is going to breed winning. You know, the more that he is winning marquee races, which he's really made a habit of, especially in the Triple Crown, even, you know, long before American Fair, he was winning Kentucky Derbies and Freaknesses. All the time, it felt like. And the more that you're winning, the more that you're going to get those owners. And knowing that the Kentucky Derby in particular is the marquee race in America, you know, a lot of major owners buy horses specifically for the Kentucky Derby. So if you see him winning it all the time, of course you're going to give your horses to him. So, you know, it's almost a bit like, you know, college recruiting. Like, you think it's easier for Nick Saban to get some of these guys to go over to Bama than it is for a smaller time coach somewhere else? Of course it is. People want to win.
1: That's an interesting viewpoint. I hadn't really thought about it in that sense. One more thing, Candace, we got we of course we got to ask you about what's going on. What's your exacta for today?
4: Okay, so I like I'm um, probable to win and then I'm going to play an exacta boxing him along with Tacitus who of course raced over in New York. I think a lot of people are really you know, not giving him quite the credit that he deserves. Uh, I think his speed figures haven't come back super fast, so people are kind of like writing him off. But he comes from off the pace. And so often in the Derby, even if they're not going to go blazing fast, they're going to go at a good clip. I mean, it's 19 horses now in the gate. They're not going to go slow. So he should benefit from any speed up on the front end, not being tacitus. And then I've gotten some slack for it, but I'm, I'm tossing in – Master Fencer underneath if you're playing trifectas or Um, I My role with TVG is covering the international racing, and I cover it very closely. And I think people are getting tied up in the fact that Master Fencer is not anywhere near the best internationals who we've seen come here before, and those horses have so often ran poorly. But Japanese dirt racing is really on the rise, I would say, behind America. They're a very distant second when it comes to quality of dirt racing around the world, and they really want to win a race like the Kentucky Derby. They're starting to get better and better stock. Actually, a lot of their horses are American-bred horses or are very close to American pedigrees. He comes from off the pace. He's the only horse in the field who has ever raced at this distance before. So I think you have to use him as the back end of trifectas and superfectus. It kind of pulls ourselves out of the notion that the best horse is always still at the top three in the Kentucky Derby. because It's a chaotic race, and it's actually really rare that the play getters along with the winner and the Derby, all end up being actually that good. You want to look for the horse who's best suited for today, not necessarily the horse who you think is going to be the best horse a year from now.
1: Some incredible insight from Candace Hare of TVG. Can't thank you enough for coming aboard. And how can people follow you on social media to kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the world of horse racing?
4: Yeah, I mean, you can always follow me at Candace Hare underscore. But then you can also, especially today, follow the TVG account at TVG. We will have stuff posted all day long with not only my picks, but all of my colleagues as well. So you'll get great insight from everybody.
1: Candace, once again, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the
4: road. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, that was Candace Hare. Once again, you follow her on Twitter at Hair underscore, but also TVG is the place you need to be. And if you're a big fan of horse racing, this is the place that you're obviously already going to go to because this is just such a fun resource when it comes to horse racing. You watch tons of races on a regular basis. Just going to get an idea of what's going on with a lot of the the big names in horse racing before the Derby and probably well after the Derby, because trust me, it's entertaining as all well. get-out, and it's just a, it's a great resource, I'm not going to lie. We can go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll come back with even more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037 gamecom Under the Dome with CD. Hour number one, going to wrap up next.
0: The numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, Your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, three seven The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Art Co-Equipment Hotline open until 1130 when we have Wilson Alexander aboard to talk LSU Ole Miss. Phone lines wide open. You can talk about anything you want. Kentucky Derby, your favorite weekend in all of sports, because I think that's definitely an interesting topic. That came up with, and you want to. Check out the poll on Twitter at 103.7 The Game. Also, follow me on Twitter at Clint Domingue, C-L-I-N-T-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. But trust me, again, I want to get a reply to this later on in the show, and I'm going to give credit to Michael for bringing this up. None of the above, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And I don't like that one a lot. Here's the thing. I only have four options to choose from, so it's kind of hard for me to narrow everything down to a exact science. The four choices I have on Twitter right now, first weekend in May, first weekend in November, 4th of July weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Which one is your favorite weekend at all of sports? largely because this is definitely one of those weekends that is outstanding. And I'm going to give you the reasons why I chose first weekend in November. I think obviously that one is leading the poll by a country mile. And a big reason why is because, well, think about it. First weekend in November, what typically goes on if you're a fan of football in Louisiana? LSU Alabama. That's the first weekend in November, and hands down, that is the most entertaining weekend in all of sports, without a doubt, without without any debate at this point in time. I can just say that's one of my fun, my fondest weekends in all of sports because you also have a really good Sunday slate of football because you're nearing the end of the season in the pros. You're starting to see the playoff picture become. A little bit more clear. Mind you, it's still blurry as hell, but you can wind up making things out just a little bit more at this point in time. Fourth of July weekend is always fun, especially if you're a fan of the UFC International Fight Week. This year's card is no exception. I'm telling you right now, it's definitely a lot of fun. The first weekend in November is fun. The Fourth of July weekend International Fight Week, hot dog eating contest, and trust me, there's a lot more this year. There's a lot more meat on the bone when it comes to the world of sports going on and sports entertainment as well, if you want to talk pro wrestling, because they had got some cool stuff going on in Dallas that weekend as well. And then, of course, you've got Memorial Day weekend. You've got conference tournaments coming to an end. And on Memorial Day itself, you get to see who's going to wind up making it to the field and who's going to be on the road to Omaha. And then, of course, you've also got MLB Baseball. Memorial Day baseball is always a fun thing to watch. Right now, we're going to move over to the ARTCO Equipment Hotline. Caller number two. I have no idea who this is, so it's a complete mystery. You're on the air. Hey, how you doing? This is Ken. Hey, Ken. What's up, man? I was hearing you earlier on the show before that. I'm Ken Karma, What's up, brother?
2: Yeah, but uh, yeah, my, my my holiday, because I was in the service, is Memorial Day. That never changed. Thank uh, you for your so service, they Ken. Gave yeah, they, they've served their lives and for the defense of our country, so that will always be mine. Uh, nobody's beating the Golden State Warriors because yep. you have too many factors in the case. They're experienced. The under, most underrated defense in my opinion in the NBA. And they got too many scores. And they can have two multiple players have a bad night and they're still going to beat you by 15. So, you know, I'm disappointed in the Houston Rockets. You know Chris Paul, A. Wall, Capella, A. Wall. I think they miss Trevor Ariza. Uh, they're done. And so as the Portland Travelers are, then who doesn't matter. Uh, nobody's beating the, the Dakota State Warriors unless there's significant injuries uh, for the rest of the playoff season. I uh, look for them to 3 P and maybe if they break up the team, well, you know, they, they have a legacy that nobody can match. Greatest starting five ever in the history of the NBA.
1: And You know, you talk about that, Ken. You know, before we talk about a little more Warriors, I want to get your thoughts because I'm going to talk about it later on is – trailblazers game last night how amazing was that to see it go to four overtimes these and nikola Jokic, kind of being the iron man of this going over 60 total minutes
2: well it was simply sensational and incredible i mean four overtimes nobody wanted to give up you know i guess fatigue might have said in, in the end but man it, it was one of the greatest of ever and i've been watching basketball a long time you know i'm almost 60 years old and I could tell you so many stories about great games, but this is top, ter- certainly one of the top uh, in the history of
1: the NBA. I'd have to agree, Ken. Thank you so much for calling in, my man. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, that was Ken. Once again, thank you for your service, Ken. But anyways, you know we're talking about this Trailblazers Nuggets game. I'll get you a little bit of details, a little meat on the bone here when it comes to that. Now that he kind of changed the subject here, because I was going to talk a little bit of the Saints and the Superdome renovations. Because honestly, that's something really cool. I can't wait to really talk about here under the dome of course but anyways trailblazers nuggets quadruple overtime absolute masterpiece of a ball game this was the second ever quadruple overtime playoff game in nba history the only other time that happened game two back in 1953 bob Cousy 50 points leading to the celtics to a 111 105 win over the syracuse nationals That's an obscure stat for you, but still an amazing game last night. I'll talk about that later because I was not a fan of the NBA playoffs up to this point last night, and then I see a quadruple overtime game. Yeah, I'm a big fan now. I love it, and it's just fantastic. It's great to see that go down. Honestly, again, I have to agree with Ken. It definitely feels like the Golden State Warriors are the team that's going to wind up probably running away with this thing by a country mile because they seem like the better team all around. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the Golden State Warriors-Rockets game tonight. It's the one basketball game on tap. And before I kind of get done with this break, of course, you can call us up, ARCO Equipment Hotline, 337 706 one 706 Of course, earlier in the week, I think the biggest talking point a lot of us had was the news about the New Orleans Saints and the Mercedes-Benz Superdome getting a new lease, working towards that agreement to keep the Saints in Louisiana through 2035, extending the lease another 10 years because it's supposed to expire in 2025. But you're also going to get a massive $450 million renovation of the stadium. And I absolutely love that, mainly because you don't want to be able to like basically build a whole other stadium and let's say put it like in a different part of New Orleans altogether, because the is where it is right now. That is exactly where it needs to be forever and a hundred years. I feel like the state of Louisiana knows that this is probably the biggest money maker they have, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is literally in the middle of town. Like you can go like anywhere and wind up in the super, Mercedes-Benz Super. I mean, you can pretty much get there almost within walking distance of several hotels. Trust me, I've done it. And it's all within walking distance. There's a lot of great stuff within walking distance of the Superdome. You've obviously got the trolleys as well. I mean, there's a big reason why WrestleMania has been hosted twice in the last, like, five years in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I'm looking forward to seeing what these renovations look like. Apparently, one of the ideas is a standing room-only setup, a lot like what we're seeing with the Dallas Cowboys, which I think is a cool idea. It might not necessarily be conducive towards making it the loudest place, is the dome's always been the been one of the loudest arenas in the NFL, and that might be counterproductive. But trust me, as long as you have that six hundred level still up there, those fans, those fans will always be making noise. As long as you keep that there, I think we'll be perfectly fine. I like the fact that they're making it more of an experience with that. I want to. That's probably one of the biggest things I want to do is go to a Saints game once they finish all the renovations because it's going to take like four off-seasons for this to happen. It'll happen, I believe, immediately after either the college football playoff national title game or it winds up being after the NFC title game later that week. It's all about kind of how the timing works out because, of course, you got to see if the Saints can make it to that point in time. They they probably will, but, you know, you're just not 100% sure. Definitely something to keep an eye on over the next few seasons, seeing how that construction is set up and how that's gonna wind up looking. And that's gonna wind up helping out the future of the Superdome, I feel like. Kind of continue to be the place to be if you're a big-time sporting event, be it WrestleMania, be it a Super Bowl, be it a Final Four, be it a college football playoff. This is gonna be huge to be able to keep things in New Orleans. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD, hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up next. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station 103-7 the game and 103-7 the game. tack out. Should be played at
0: high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 the game. Streaming live on 1037TheGame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game.
1: Welcome everyone to our number two of Under the Dome with yours truly, the famous CD inside the 237 Roof Studios presented by Lafayette Roofing. And it is always a tremendous time to be with you, of course, 1130. We'll talk with Wilson Alexander talking LSU baseball against Ole Miss. And what a ball game last night. Of course, you heard that Drew Bianco home run to kind of put things to rest. That was one of the big highlights. That you want to have a home run earlier in that inning. But I think, obviously, the big thing everybody's talking about, Drew Bianco hitting a home run off of the Ole Miss Rebels. His dad, obviously, coaching the team. Did you know that, by the way? Obviously, I think everybody did because that was definitely a big talking point with a lot of people on the interwebs over the last few days. In fact, you're not having Mike Bianco's wife, Drew Bianco's mom, actually say, hey, I'm not going to go to the game. largely because she didn't want to have the camera guys just catch her and be like, all right, you, we're just going to have a camera focus on you the entire time and just cut away to you at weird times during the ballgame, probably when Drew Bianco is going to be at bat or... You know, generally whenever. Because you know they were gonna they would wind up doing that. They wound up doing that a lot all throughout the season when Kramer Robertson was there, Kim Mulkey every single time she's just front and center. You didn't really have to focus the cam on her. She was always just right behind home plate. And every time he was up to bat, they wound up almost having a Mulkey cam. And that was just oh. One of the things I just did not like about that was just seeing Kim Mulkey every single home game. It was a, it just took away a lot from me. And I think that was why she wanted him not, not going. And she's definitely not a big fan of, you know, being the center of attention, at least in terms of Drew Bianco's wife and, obviously, Mike, Bianco, Mike Bianco's wife and Drew Bianco's mom. There we go. That's I want have having a little backwards there. But yeah, you're listening to Under the Dome with the famous CD. That's me right here on 103.7 The Game. And, of course, there's a poll question up on Twitter right now. You can check it out. And vote on it. You can also follow me on Twitter at Clint Domingue. And what's your favorite weekend in all of all sports? It's something I, I just always think about when it comes to, like, the big weekends. Obviously, I could have gone opening weekend of college football, opening weekend of NFL football, high school football. I could have gone a lot of different directions, but I kind of went with the big four in my mind. First weekend in May, you have big boxing fights. You've got the Kentucky Derby. You got some really cool ball games on tap on the weekend, like I mentioned at the start of the show. You got the angels astros series in Monterey, Mexico. That's just really cool on the surface, and obviously you've got kind of the tail end of the season. Everything's starting to matter a lot more. It's crunch time in college baseball, and the Cajuns they want to live up to. Like, they want to crushing some of those expectations because everybody was just down in the dumps. And justifiably so, you know. I think it definitely was justifiable of why Cajun's fans were down in the dumps. But I feel like you you couldn't let that thing kind of simmer and, and kind of sit in your stench, as head co- coach Tony Robichaud likes to say. But he's got to realize, it's like you played against a, a lot of really good teams during that stretch when you wound up losing a lot of games. Louisiana Tech might be the one kind of outlier, if you will. I, at, least that's what I, at least the way I'm going to look at it is... La Tech was that outlier of all those games that you wound up losing in that losing streak. That one was an outlier. Using comparison, UT Arlington and Texas State are two very, very good teams. I think that's a big reason why I'm not necessarily as adamant about, you know, this team's horrible, shut it all down. No, I think this is probably going to be a team that can bounce back. You just need to have that moment. And seeing Coastal Carolina and beating them, 10-0. Ten to nothing. Not only that, thirteen combined strikeouts by Austin Parent and Jack Burke, and you want them doing all that on the road in Conway, South Carolina. A place that's been very tough to play, not just for the Cajuns but for the entire Sun Conference since they've joined, fresh off of winning a national title. That is a tough place to play, and I absolutely loved the fact that the Cajuns were able to get things done on the road after losing seven. Straight ball games. You hear me right? Seven straight ball games is one of the worst losing streaks in recent memory of five games or more. Obviously, eight straight back in 2012 was kind of the most recent, really deep hole they wound up getting themselves into earlier in the year. They had five straight, but 2012 was a deep one. But that's not even the deepest. I'm kind of diving into the archives on Sunday before it wound up being seven straight, when it was six straight ball games, they lost, yes, well, the Cajuns got, the thing got out of hand early. Last Sunday, in the finale against Texas State, who, by the way, was red hot, so I, I really feel like that was a series that the Cajuns, nine times out of ten, could have won, but it felt like Texas State, way too good at this point in time. They were going to wind up taking you out behind the woodshed and whipping you whipping your backside, especially the way they allowed the amount of runs they did. I mean, they almost won the ball. The crazy thing is, they almost rallied back to win that. But it just shows how much what head coach Sean Robichaud has talked about for what feels like forever. As far as long as I've known him, he's talked about the three-run inning. And that three-run inning wound up proving fatal the way they wound up doing it. Allowing those nine runs. It was Friday. There was a lot of big run innings. We talk about three runs. It's not literally three runs. It was like three runs or more. That's how he considers it. I think that's a, definitely a true statement, especially when you look at the Cajuns when they allow a three run inning. I think heading into last weekend, they were seven and eighteen. Now I think it was seven and twenty. Seven and twenty one in terms of allowing three run innings this week. Like last night, the Cajuns like were that three run inning team. Now I think they want to getting three of those. You do that. You wind up winning a lot more ball games than you think. It was great to see the Cages do that last night. A huge step in the right direction for a program that was kind of teetering or not even making the conference tournament. And who would have seen that coming? This is a team that almost every single year has expectations through the roof and has set the bar so high since they wound up joining the conference. This is like Tony Robich has been the head coach, they've set the bar incredibly high. And it's been amazing to see what Tony Robert show has done with that program, but this is that year where things are a little bit of a of a downturn, you know, and people are jumping off about it and you know maybe it's the fact that you know twenty twelve wasn't necessarily a great year on paper, but nobody's really talked nobody was really talking about it because twenty twelve versus seven years later how much more prevalent social media and how instantaneous takes matter a whole hell of a lot more on cesspools like message boards and even to an extent twitter people just can't seem to kind of just sit there and think hey like it could be a lot worse we could be loop we could be out of the tournament be really if if we're really really that bad honestly we shouldn't be in the tournament but now they're actually in 10th place they would be in the tournament if the season ended today sadly that it won't be the case and you know that's definitely a Tough break for the Raging Cajuns to be in 10th. They need to be able to set their game up because you've only got two more series left in the regular season before, like I mentioned earlier, Memorial Day weekend. You've got the conference tournament. Some tournament going to be in South Carolina, and I feel like they want to wind up booking in their trips to South Carolina in the month of May. I know probably the SIDs are going to wind up booking that trip already, so they don't want to be kind of all for naught, and there's going to be sitting at home watching the tournament go down on the plus. Other stuff involving the Cajuns, i got to say, this is a tough break for Cajun softball. They're supposed to have a three-game set against the UL Monroe Warhawks, but the weather has been pawball, bon, and that's a big reason why the series now is canceled. The continued inclement weather Saturday morning in Monroe forced the cancellation of the doubleheader that was going to go on today. And it pretty much puts it into the Cajun season because, well, the Sunbelt tournament for softball is next weekend. Mind you, Cajuns are Sunbelt Conference champs. It just would would have been great to see one more great weekend out of Summer Ellison because I know she was chasing that record of eight Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Week honors because that's definitely a bar that was set extremely high, and hopefully we can wind up seeing it broken down the line because I feel like. Summer Ellison is probably one of the best pitchers the Cajuns have had in a long time. Just I wish they had more than one pitcher to use that was as consistent as she is because I feel like you don't have somebody that's like that consistent, it's going to be a huge step in the right, wrong direction in postseason play. You look at what happened the last couple seasons, whenever you head to BR, to head to Baton Rouge, I would love to see the Cajuns have a second pitcher because, then Ellison doesn't have to be relied on it nearly as much. A more consistent pitcher like a Kendra Lamb, she could wind up being that second arm. She wound up showing that early on in the season but wasn't able to kind of convert that into any real success. And then you had to go back to rely heavily, and I mean heavily, on the arm of Summer Ellison. I think that's definitely a big thing that I've thought about as somebody who's watched this program for a long, long time is I want to see them change the way they do things from a mindset of having just really one arm and try and move towards using multiple arms. And again, like sometimes you just don't have that second hand or second arm, that second pitcher. They can wind up being as consistent as your ace in the game of softball. And honestly, you can wind up getting away with it in the regular season, especially in the crappy Sun Belt Conference, which, by the way, it doesn't matter what they do in that tournament. They can wind up winning hundred to nothing. It makes the conference look that much worse, but also winds up pretty much saying, "Hey, like your RPI isn't that great. You're gonna be on the road, no matter what. You're gonna be a number two seed." Bottom line: four losses, especially that loss to McNeese. It don't matter how many series you won over the year, over the entire season. It Doesn't matter how many games you want them winning. Your RPI was not good enough. No matter what. They're going to be hitting the road for the regionals and the super regionals more likely than not, unless you have something just really bizarre happen with the brackets. You see a lot of March Madness type stuff, but I am just, I was shocked when I'm thinking about this, like today, I'm like, this team is not going to be able to host a regional series because of the RPI. And also the, the really, really bad sunbelt conference when it comes to, Cajun softball, that's going to be tough for them. I think it's tough for anybody, really, because you have an up-and-down league that's dominated by one team and one team only. It winds up hurting you a lot more down the line if you're a fan of Cajun softball or any softball team in general. You've got to imagine what would happen if the SEC was largely dominated by an LSU or a Florida, and everybody else was at a much lower tier of production. That winds up hurting hurting your RPI a lot but I feel like, again, they might get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, if you will, when it comes to the conversation of who's the best team in the country. And that's going to be a big talking point for a lot of people, especially Cajuns fans, because they will probably be salty as all get out in two weeks' time, whatever. Of course, we wind up seeing it pop up on Selection Sunday up on the big screen. Cajuns... Headed to Baton Rouge again. Could it be again? I don't know, but I would not be surprised if that's a thing that winds up happening. Once again, I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk with Wilson Alexander at 1130. Talk about what happened between LSU and Ole Miss last night. Looking ahead, Zach Hess's return to the bullpen. Wild thing. He made everybody's hearts saying the dude was just phenomenal. On the mound. Can't wait to talk to him about that and a whole lot more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. That's me right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game. And here we go. It's a commercial break.
0: Every time CD takes the mic is like a box of chocolates.
2: You never know what you're going to get.
0: Now let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game.
1: He throws a baseball pass the length of
2: the floor. It's stolen by Jake. He throws it in
0: the air. And the Blazers win. The Blazers win in four overtimes.
1: one forty to 137 in one of the most remarkable games I have ever seen. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com live from the 237 Roof Studios. Presented by Lafayette Roofing. And what a ball game last night. If you're a fan of the NBA, this was a game that you just could not stop watching because it never ended. I feel like it's still going on right now, but it didn't. Four overtimes. This game went well into 1 o'clock our time. Thankfully, it's on the West Coast where you can kind of like get away with that. I believe it might have been like 11 o'clock or so their time whenever the game ended. Just ridiculous amount of stuff. Just a masterpiece of a ball game. And I think Michael Malone put it best.
3: You know, that game is an instant classic. Couldn't have been proud of our guys for the fight, staying with it. I mean, Nikola Jokic played 65 minutes tonight. That's unheard of. That's ridiculous. Uh, I can't do that to him. That's too many minutes.
1: And it is ridiculous, but it's not even the most minutes of all time in the NBA that have been played. It's actually the third highest amount of all time that a player has racked up in a ball game. And, of course, a lot of those ball games that are above him were in games that wound up going to like quadruple overtime and like quintuple overtime in some cases. I believe, yeah, it's, it was 65 minutes. Really, an amazing stat line, just a once in a lifetime kind of stat line he put together. And it's right behind the X Man Xavier McDaniel, 68 minutes he put together alongside teammate Dale Ellis. They spent 68 minutes on the court and one minute short of that. This was a game in November 9th, 1989. And speaking of Dale Ellis, he holds the record for that. In that same game, he stayed in one minute longer. And yes, you heard me right. We're going to say it here. 69 minutes. Nice. You heard me right. 69 minutes. When it comes to Dale Ellis setting the NBA record against the Milwaukee Bucks November 9th 1989 30, almost 30 years ago in a game that went five overtime periods and scored 53 points which was a career best for Ellis and 20 of those 53 scored in the overtime period so there's kind of a little historical facts when it comes to what happened last night it's a rare opportunity like, I can imagine Nikola Jokic like needed like an IV or something to kind of keep him going cuz that dude looked completely gassed in the final moments, especially whenever he wound up having to shoot free throws with about eight seconds left, and he bricked the first one. I'm like, yeah, he he is just done. He can't do this. He can't he can't hang anymore because it's like... I can about imagine how much, how exhausting that is to do. 69 minutes, oh, 65 minutes, excuse me. 69 minutes was Dale Ellis. Nice. And it definitely is a big thing when it comes to the NBA, and I felt like that was just an awesome ball game all the way around. And, yeah, I know, we, we could talk about it being, you know, the fact that the it was just a – you wound up having a lot of missed calls, a lot of questionable calls, but it was still a phenomenal game from top to bottom. Probably one of the best basketball games I've seen in a long time. And, you know, just kind of let people behind the scenes of Under the Dome in terms of how the show's kind of mapped out. I wrote down in the rundown, and I think I think I still have it, is can I have this rundown just for myself? NFL playoff, NBA playoffs, excuse me. Boring as ever. I had a way to change that, and it's just like it was the shot of adrenaline. You need like we as a basketball loving like fan base, and I feel like a lot of the Katie and can agree with me here. 337-706-0111. You agree, you disagree. Let me know what you thought about. What happened last night on the court, it, it was just an amazing performance by both teams going four overtime. I thought it could have gone five, but set. but of course, like I said, Jokic missed that free throw late in the ball game. That wanna be a big reason why. They took the L. And it was very, very disappointed to see that happen. But hopefully we end up seeing them bounce back in the next couple of weeks, next couple of games because I think this series could wind up going seven. Denver Nuggets, definitely a big surprise. But of course, the is, were just a little bit too much last night. And then the rest of the NBA playoffs has been relatively home. Ho hum. And what we're seeing right now, like tonight, you got the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Is James Harden's eye okay? I couldn't tell you, pun intended. But I got to say, it's definitely something you got to keep an eye on over the next, like, let's say, twelve to twenty-four hours. Is what's going to happen with James Harden in his eye? Is it going to take him out of tonight's ball game? Because if not, if he's not, I'm not hundred percent sure Chris Paul can get it done up against the Golden State Warriors by himself, Largely by himself, this could very well be a Golden State Warriors sweep. Because if you want him going down three nil, and you're at home, like you lose at home, you lose that home field advantage. And then they have a chance to go for the kill go for the sweep look what's happened to the New Orleans Pelicans when they want to face off Kinson on the at home they take on the team like that it's gonna be an uphill climb for anybody but trust me when I say this after with the Golden State Warriors they're gonna be rolling all over them it's gonna be just a beatdown if you don't have James Harden in there and you know James Harden hundred percent even more so is if he's not 100% like, and he's out there, it he, it's not going to matter. He can very well just not, he can just not show up. And I'm thinking they want him doing a little bit better. because you know, they're going to want him going after him a lot more and focusing in on him to make sure he makes, he misses these really easy shots and kind of just comes away looking a little uh, pop on, if you will. I think that's definitely the biggest thing. If you're a fan of the NBA Outside of that series, outside of the game last night it's been relatively boring but it was just a shot in the arm I needed to kind of keep watching the NBA because my goodness it just hasn't been the same since i I remember watching and yeah you know people want to complain about the dynasties I'm like guess what dynasties are a part of sports you know because you think about it you need somebody to hate. You need somebody that you just cannot stand as a team. Sure, you might like some of the guys as a person. Steph Curry seems like a really well-put-together guy. I can say this. People hate the Warriors. People hate the Patriots. People hate the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, because they are successful and they've become the gatekeepers, if you will, of success. They've been a team that's been successful for several years and built a dynasty of being at the top of their game and being that gatekeeper. Nobody else can really be at that level. And when they go down, it's great to see. It's great to watch that moment where they get their comeuppance. And that's kind of the big reason why, you know, this is kind of where I'm going to end this segment is saying this is a lot like the world of pro wrestling. You want to see the bad guy get there behind handed to him. And this is a prime example of that. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. we got Wilson Alexander coming up next to talk LSU baseball and the old Miss series next. You're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
0: Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the end, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be to the top? number and make that a little low he's got to 11 now back to the show that brings the heat on acadiana sports station 1037 the game this would be a huge strikeout for this lsu defense Pinch runner hall at third base one out count, the pitch, swing and a
1: miss! Bing, bang, boom! Hess with three straight strikes and records the second out of the inning. Wild Thing is back. The man in the bullpen looked phenomenal. Zach Hess last night helping the Tigers come come away with an 8-3 win over the Ole Miss Rebels. Game two of the series tonight, first pitch 630, hopefully, of course, weather permitting. Because my goodness, it has been a little bit of a of a wet Saturday, May the 4th, over here in Louisiana, also in Kentucky, it seems like. But, you know, we're going to talk more about LSU baseball getting ready, hopefully, for game two of the series against the Ole Miss Rebels right here on 103.7. three seven. game will air it. But, of course, Under the Dome with CD is bringing you some coverage from Wilson Alexander. He's on the ARCO Equipment Hotline right now. Let's talk a little bit of the LSU Old Miss Series. What's going on, man?
5: Hey, how you doing today?
1: I am doing fantastic, especially after last night. You saw Zach Hess look phenomenal. Was this like just a moment where it was like Palmanary probably just was just feeling so good whenever whenever Zach Hess came out there and started dealing?
5: Yeah, I mean, this is why they made the move, you know, early this week to get Zach into these kinds of situations, because like we, you know, like LC saw his freshman year, he thrives in those spots, um, and it was tough for him to maintain that during starts over a long period of time. He couldn't really just go out and just throw, hundred, you know, every, you know, hundred percent every single pitch, and but he was able to do that last night, and he saw the results. He was absolutely electric, and the box was rocking like it hasn't all year.
1: And that was just like I wanted catching a little bit of it after I got back from the station last night, and it was just amazing to see what happened between LSU and Ole Miss the crowd was just so into it all night long but of course the thing in one moment that everybody's going to want to be probably talking about all weekend is Drew Bianco hitting a home run in the 8th inning how cool is that just seeing what he did and everybody's kind of reaction
5: yeah it was kind of wild um unfortunately we didn't we didn't have to Drew after the game um it was funny he he tweeted that it was definitely the the best but also the most awkward moment of his life. He later deleted that, but you know I think the sentiment still remains um, that it was weird because like his dad's in the opposite dugout. He's just uh, flipped his bat after a home run. Drew has, and his dad's in the opposite dugout just sort of staring. And then, but Drew's running on the bases and, you know, and that, was, that was kind of the final exclamation point dagger in this win that they really needed to, to keep up in the SEC uh, race. Um, so it was really a, a wild moment. Um, for everybody, and I'm sure for the Biancos as well.
1: Yeah, you can about imagine how cool that was. Talking right now with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. And, of course, I mentioned earlier in the show that, yeah, the Bianco, the mother, is actually not get, not actually at the series. kind of wanting to avoid all the publicity that you know probably wouldn't wind up coming with going through the series.
5: Yeah, and this, yeah. I, I talked to her before the series first story I wrote on on Mike and Drew and, and the family and this being in this spot, and and she said she wanted to. She decided before the season started that she wasn't going to come to this. Um, that she just and even when LSU or no even not LSU, Ole Miss played Louisville, which is where uh, one of the other Bianca's sons plays. She didn't go to that either. Like she did, didn't want to get herself in the middle of that drama or that potential drama. And it probably ended up being a good decision based on what happened last night.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, like I guess I'm sure that would have you, you would have probably had her become the new Kim Mulkey. I think that was another reason why she didn't do it, because you know like, yeah. the SEC network would have been just having a camera solely pinned on her the entire weekend,
5: especially right after Drew hit the home run.
1: Yeah. Oh, trust me, you would have seen that alternate. You we would have seen that alternate angle all weekend and probably well into the rest of the year, seeing that like the reaction yeah. shot.
5: Yeah, definitely, and it would have been in a put her in an awkward spot with yeah. with her husband in the opposite dugout. So I think she just wanted to, she, you know, she just wanted to avoid that.
1: Oh yeah, I don't blame her at all. Talk right now with Wilson and Alexander of the Advocate. You know, we got to talk about the game, like the game as a whole last night. It looked like fantastic performances all the way around. But I think on it, obviously the biggest thing everybody was talking about was just like the pitching looked a lot better. Mikhail Hilliard, a guy that not many people thought about heading into this weekend. Was going to be the starter. He wound up looking pretty decent with four strikeouts, only allowing two runs off of six hits and four innings of work.
5: Yeah, Mikhail sort of maybe not quite returned to a form that he you know, was in last year, but he pitched pretty much as well as he has all year. Especially considering the stakes of this series, as you know, as LSU approaches the last couple, uh, you know, weekends of its regular season, um, he pitched re- well. I mean, he got into a couple jams. He gave up four singles to his first seven batters, but he ended up only allowing just one run. Until the fifth inning, and you know that allowed LSU to stay in this thing. And it was interesting. I mean, you kind of mentioned just the, the level of the pitching. Um, LSU um, obviously ended up winning eight to three. But there in the eighth inning, when Zach was, Hess was pitching out of that jam, it was a one-run game. And LSU this year, and in, in, um, with eleven and three one-run games, but seven and five when it scored between three and six, uh, three and five runs. Is it three and six runs? And so they hadn't, you know, really been winning games when they weren't just scoring tons and tons of runs. But the pitching was so good from McHale and from Zach that they were able to hold on to the lead and then blow it up in late. Um, so McHale, is interesting to see how they're going to continue to use him. Um, they want Cole Henry in that Friday night role, but he's just not ready to pitch yet. So I guess McHale will stay in there uh, for the time being until Cole's back, and it'll be interesting to see how he continues to handle that.
1: And you bring up Cole Henry. That's kind of what I wanted to go next is about Cole Henry. And obviously, is not going to talk about it, but what would you expect to be like a return date for him? Do you expect it to be next weekend, or does he wind up saving him up for potentially the SEC tournament in a couple weeks?
5: I really don't know what to expect, and this is why. We've seen LSU deal with arm soreness and similar sort of Uh, that, that term a lot this year. And Brandon Marceau dealt with it and he missed about, pretty much missed six weeks, only pitched twice in about six weeks. And then Jaden Hill has been out for over two months. So it's really impossible to know when, uh, Cole's going to come back because these arm soreness injuries, uh, kind of previewing a story I have coming out later today, they're chronic and it's no real telling when it's just, when the pain's going to be gone and when they're going to be mentally ready to pitch. And it takes time. It's not really something that you can put it to, uh, a strict timetable on. So LSU doesn't exactly know when he's going to be back, and it's really hard to put a prediction on, on when that will be.
1: And I have to agree with you. Definitely, it's going to be hard to put a timetable on it, but it feels like to me, can, SEC tournament feels like the time that you want to wind up getting this guy ready for, because that's, that's where you're going to make up a lot of your hay whenever you wind up losing a lot of those series, like the one against Mizzou a few weeks ago. You need to be able to step your game up at that point in time to be able to try and secure National, see what is a percentage chance you think LSU has of locking one of those down?
5: Oh gosh, <laughs> there's so many variables uh, here in the last you know you know couple weeks. Um, if they can get through this Old Miss series, win this series, and then the, the key is going to be what happens next week at Arkansas. I mean, if they go and they beat Arkansas on the road, at least two out of three, um, then I think the percentage is really high because they're going to be probably the winner of the SEC West if they do that. Um, where, but you know, if they lose to Arkansas, then they, their chances of getting a national seed are, are probably a little bit lower because they'll be behind Arkansas and then also probably behind Mississippi State. Um, so it kind of hinges on, on this weekend and then uh, what happens next weekend at Arkansas. And obviously they have to wrap it up against Auburn.
1: They really have to talk right now with Wilson and Alexander of the Advocate. And of course we've talked a lot about the pitching, but I feel like the offense started to turn things around last night. Mind you, it wasn't a like you want you didn't see him put up fifteen runs, but they want to put it in an eighth spot, four runs in the eighth inning, highlighted by a pair of home runs. We mentioned the Mike the Bianco one, but of course we also had Daniel Cabrera go off. That was an impressive hit from him
5: know as much needed from for Daniel. I think probably just personally, kind of having that confidence and coming up in a moment like that. He got lucky because the uh, Ole Miss third baseman dropped a pop up uh, the, right before that, so Daniel got a second chance and he took advantage of it. And he's Paul pushed him back down to the lineup to seventh um, last weekend against Alabama because Daniel fair hasn't been hitting well since that um, you know hand injury uh, kind of acted back up again, and so he's been striking out a lot. He leads the team in strikeouts. So for him to come up in that moment could be a really big confidence boost for him moving forward.
1: And you know, we you're jumping back to the pitching because t- tonight we're going to have Eric Walker take the mound. And you know, we, Eric Walker looked pretty decent on Saturday night. He wound up having a hell of a performance. So My question to you is: Can we say that the old Eric Walker looks to be back and he's able to kind of perform at a high level, especially against a team like a like
5: an Ole Miss? I don't know if you can say he's all the way back yet because the consistency hasn't been there. Um, he's had mostly a down season, and then he pitched just incredible against uh, Mississippi State, and he pitched well against Alabama. But other than that, he hasn't had a great year. So I don't think you can say just like the old Eric Walker is back where he you know where he was his freshman year. He's not at that point. But his fastball velocity hit 90, which is kind of where like for the first time really all season last weekend against Alabama, so that's a good sign that his velocity is back up to kind of where it was his freshman year. And so now, I mean, he's kind of got the stuff again to pitch like he did his freshman year, but he needs to put it all together consistently from start to start, which he hasn't done yet.
1: Sorry right now with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. And, you know, obviously the weather outside has been a little bit less than ideal, but what's the likelihood that this game can get in six thirty first pitch? Do you see a windup being able to be – completed like you end up having to go off without a hitch
5: uh, it's hard to predict the weather um i mean right now the rain is pretty much let up in baton rouge um but i think they are supposed to get some more later i mean they're going to do everything they can to get this game in does it start at six thirty? i don't know um we'll we'll see but i'm pretty certain they're going to play this game tonight
1: I would hope so, especially considering the fact that you've got the class of 2009, the 2009 National Championship team out there, supposed to get honored. I think that's definitely one of the coolest things going on this weekend if you're a fan of LSU baseball.
5: Yeah, yeah, they're going right, to, I mean, obviously it won't be the entire team because some of those guys are still yeah, playing in the major leagues, But um, which is probably a, a good reason for them not to be there. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be an interesting, you know, a nice little moment for them, and I think it's... When Paul was saying these guys see each other all the time. Um, you know, a couple of them are still on L S U staff. But I think it'll just be nice probably for the fans to be able to recognize that accomplishment and recognize those players, um, you know, right before the game there.
1: Wilson, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. All right, that was Wilson Alexander. You can follow him on Twitter at WH Alexander. Which is some fantastic stuff right there from him. Great insight. Can't wait for Game Two of the series. Fingers and toes crossed. It goes off without a hitch and is able to start off on time. Honestly, I'm gonna make sure to listen in on 103.7 the game to make sure also because I do kind of handle a lot of stuff from that aspect. But we're gonna go ahead and take one more commercial break. The show is nearing and in the first maiden voyage of Under the Dome with CD. Yes. I'm trying to get the hang of saying that, not the producers. This is Under the Dome with the famous CD. And we got just a little bit more left. And trust me, I mentioned Under the Dome. We're going inside my brain. And trust me, it's a very weird place to be in. And I think we're going to make it even weirder next on Acadian Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037 gamecom From the
0: preps. I gave it a uh, a 10. 10. to the pros Kick one. and everywhere in between let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game
1: Welcome everyone to Under the Dome with CD, the final segment of the show, and we're going to a very different place, not as much sports related, but honestly, it is something really cool because today is May the 4th, and if you're a big nerd like I am, you know what day it is, and it is May the 4th be with you, Star Wars Day.
0: Shut up, you stupid nerd.
1: I'm sorry, we're going to nerd out a little bit here to In the show today, and I've got a lot of things to talk about, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go power rankings here for Star Wars movies. May the fourth be with you, and I am going to rank all of the major movies involving Star Wars. Sorry to the spinoffs, because I haven't seen Solo yet, so i got to take those out. Rogue One is damn good, but I'm going to lean towards the main ones, the... Eight that we have so far in the ninth one, Rise of Skywalker, we'll see in December. And that one just looks really, really good. I can't wait to check that out. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get things going with number eight, Phantom Menace. Jar Jar Binks, Need I Say More? Just can't, could not get into that movie when I rewatched it a while back. When I was a kid, enjoyed it because the pod racing was awesome. The pod racing is probably the best part of the movie. And also that was a phenomenal video game. If you remember episode one, Racer, just bad movie. Good video game and really cool pot racing. Number seven, Attack of the Clones. I could rank this a lot lower, but honestly, I enjoyed it more for the bleep show that it was. Like it's it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as bad as Phantom Menace. I think it's largely because you can laugh at this movie. Like the other one, it's not. It's just not funny. Sith. It's a solid ending to the prequels. That one gets number six on the list. And number five is where things are going to get hotly contested. I got to say it's Return of the Jedi. Number six on my list. I can't get into the, the the end of the original trilogy as much as I used to. Because it's just the the Ewoks. I just, I just can't. I, I'm not a big fan of Return of the Jedi. And I might be in the minority here. That's probably my least favorite of the original trilogy. And then New Hope at number four on the list. And I have to say... I love Return of the I love the New Hope. I love the first one a lot, but I feel like I have enjoyed a lot more of the other movies that have come out in recent years. I'll give you some more thoughts on that in just a little bit. But again, A New Hope at number four, number three, Force Awakens, the return of the franchise. I this is like the first movie I, I've seen at theaters in years. Walked into the theaters, like, I was like, not, it was like a while after the movie had come out, and I was absolutely floored, flabbergasted, had a whole lot of fun watching the movie from beginning to end, and it was simply put fantastic stuff all the way around when it comes to the Star Wars movies. That one is always going to be one of my favorites. It was just really, really good, and it introduced a lot of the great characters, and you had a lot of action. That was one of the biggest complaints I had about. The prequels, it was a lot less action, a lot more talk, 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 talk. It was a lot more action, and that was probably the best part about these new trilogies. There's a lot more stuff going on. There's a lot more action beats in there. Number two, I gotta go Empire Strikes Back. Empire was always top dog for a long, long time. I mean, it ends on a real down note. And in terms of a trilogy, and it's all one interconnecting storyline... You have the good guys in the first one and then, then things in on a sour note, but they wind up getting the final win at the end of the day in terms of this trilogy, this interconnected storyline. I enjoyed the hell out of empire. The strikes back every single time, the betrayal of Han Solo by Lando Calrissian and a lot of other cool stuff that happened in that movie. That's number two on the list. And it was number one for a long, long time. Number one, is now Last Jedi. I know this is probably going to get a lot of flack from a lot of the older crowd, but this is the primo movie of the history of Star Wars. I can say number one, hands down, this is the one of the movies I've, only movies I've ever seen twice in a theater, and it is just as good. The second time around, you're able to enjoy it a lot more and be able to like drink it all in. Like, when I watch Force Awakens, I only watched it once, and that was enough for me. Last Jedi, I had to watch it twice to kind of fully dive into it because it was the end of Luke Skywalker. The battles that were going on in that movie were phenomenal. And all around, I can tell you, that was one of my favorite movies of all time and also my favorite Star Wars movie out of the entire history books. That is how I'm ranking it from 8 until 1. I'd probably put, if we want to including the prequels. Number three would probably wind up being Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which was really, really good. But I'm not going to put it in there because I can't put Solo in there because I haven't seen it yet. I wanted to see it last year when it came out. But just, you know, life kind of gets in the way. Life happens when you're busy making other plans. But just such a great way to kind of end the maiden voyage of the producers. Maybe it's the last one. I have no clue. I am not in control of this whole situation. But hopefully... You enjoyed it just as much as I did bringing it to you. Of course, we had Wilson Alexander on just a minute ago to talk about the LSU Tigers. We had Jessica at the line to talk about the Angels series against the Houston Astros in Monterey, Mexico. A Kentucky Derby preview with Candace Hare of TVG. Just some fantastic stuff. And hopefully you enjoy your weekend however you're going to wind up enjoying it. Me, oh boy, I'm going to have a whole lot of fun this weekend because after all, it is... Cinco de Mayo tomorrow, and that means two things. Number one, I'm turning 30 years old tomorrow, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not like a lot of people back in the day who were just like, oh, man, I am 30 years old. What is going on? I'm sorry. I love the fact that I'm turning 30 because guess what? You know, The last 10 years has been really cool, and I cannot wait to enjoy it. But, of course, it is also Cinco de Mayo, and I'm going to go ahead and just bounce out of here with, of course, who, who, why not just end the show and let you kind of end the show with a little low rider? Have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. Under the Dome with CD is in the books. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Kentucky Derby coverage right here on 103.7 The Game starting at 4 and then LSU pregame, hopefully at 6 o'clock. Pregame, six thirty first pitch right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game.
5: I, uh...